1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. Apologies that we didn't put out a new episode last week, but um, we're just too bloody popular. We just always have got filled diaries of all the parties and events and orgies that we get invited to constantly. And as a result, it was very hard for us to find time to record the podcast last week. I go to parties, Finney goes to events, and Norcross goes to so many orgies, probably too many. Actually, Dan, if we're being brutally honest,
2: yeah. I'm, I'm 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 literally shagged out. You're absolutely right. It's uh, it's taking its toll. But popularity—that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it was Berlusconi and the bunga bunga parties on the Monday, then um, a quick nip into Moscow, um, down via Kaliningrad, uh, flip over to San Francisco on the Thursday. And then I think I had to do a hundred game on a Friday, so yeah. I mean, uh, it's a, it's a tough life.
1: It was it Berlusconi, didn't he once say he was asked by a journalist, Mister Berlusconi, what do you say about the fact that sixty eight percent of women in a poll recently said that they would sleep with you? Really? He replied, saying the other thirty two percent already have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that's that's confidence, isn't it? That's it really confidence. Is. I, I could do a little bit of that. Yeah. Wow. Um,
1: and uh, Finney, how are you, mates? And uh, more importantly, do you know what? Let's get straight into this, actually, because we were meant to record at 11 o'clock. It's now 20 past 11. I had a few technical issues. It wasn't Norcross for once. But Finney was also a bit late to the podcast record because he was getting his breakfast rude to him you lazy bastard what 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 have you got well
0: I've been traveling around the country um, mildly entertaining people on the hundred commentary this week and I did seven hours worth of driving to and from Birmingham yesterday so I got back at midnight after the game I had this absolute chamozzle to be on by 11 o'clock in the morning so I treated myself to a lie-in and and last minute because I felt a bit hungry I decided that I'd pop on to Deliveroo and, um, and order some eggs on toast with a bit of bacon and
1: a flat white. And you couldn't have prepared eggs on toast with a bit of bacon yourself?
0: No, not when I've been away in Brighton, plying my trade
1: at the Brighton
0: and Hove County ground for uh, for the last week or so in the gym doing my rehab. So, no, there's no food in the flat.
2: Yeah, uh, £15 worth of egg, bit of bacon, sourdough and a flat sets white. Sets
0: me up for the day, absolutely.
2: Certainly does. I, I need to ask you, though, because we were commentating the other day at Edge Baston, which incidentally is the one of the two worst grounds ever to get out of, with the worst, the worst car park possibly in world cricket. Uh, but during that day, your, your better half got in touch on commentary to say that uh, the washing machine was leaking, which was very very yep. helpful, very helpful interjection, just as uh, Will Smead was smashing the ball to all parts. Uh, have you managed to, to fix the washing machine?
0: Um, no, no, I haven't. It's apparently the water was pissing out the top of it as well. So it wasn't even a pipe Ooh. underneath the, the water was pissing out the top of it. So I need to, I need to find out what's going on there by getting a professional who actually knows what he's doing, um, to come around
2: and have a look at it. Or she, I, if I were you, I would get a woman. Sorry, plumber. or she. Uh, women yes. plumbers in my experience are altogether much, much better. And what they don't do is Sounds say. Sounds like something <laughs> off
1: Pornhub. I was going to say, is this, is this, is, this, is this another one of your orgy stories?
2: Well, actually, yes. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I met her in Milan. Yeah, um, no, but the very, the very best plumbers in my experience have all been women, and um, and and they don't complain about how hard it is to get access. Have you noticed this with plumbers? That whenever anything goes wrong, they come out and go, "Oh, I, I won't be able to get into that, not without ripping your entire bathroom apart, and that's going to cost you fifteen grand." But all I've got is a faulty overflow. Nah, it's all it's all been boxed in, son. Can't be done. Whereas women plumbers have smaller hands, greater problem solving capacity, and they're not really annoying people.
1: That's very true. It's very true. When we had a man to come around and look at the boiler, because I know nothing about how
2: a boiler works. Of course you don't.
1: I, I called my mate up who does know how boilers work. And I said, here, mate, give me some, give me some buzz phrases. Give me some words to use, so he doesn't take me for a ride here so that I sound relatively intelligent. And so I FaceTimed him and I showed him what was wrong. And he said, "Oh, it'll be your PCB is playing up." And I said, "Perfect. That's all I need." So when the guy came round, I went, "Yeah, man, I'm pretty sure it's the PCB, but you take a look." But I kept calling it the PCB board.
2: The oh no! Is,
1: the problem is the B in PCB covers that bit.
2: Yeah, it's pin number. You've done the classic pin number. I've thing, done a pin it? number
1: thing. So I yeah. said PCB board about twenty times, and he looked at me and thought it was right. Brick and charged me about two grand.
2: So, yeah, you uh, know, I, I think your friend though is, is much much nicer than you deserve. Because if I'd been in that situation, I'd have said, oh, well, you need to talk to him about his uh, your Chapman's bassoon." And uh, I think that's what's uh, I think that's what's got faulty <laughs> your Clarky yeah. cat. Yeah, to
1: be <laughs> fair, I mean, I don't deserve any friends, let alone one that's nice to me. So yeah, you're, you're probably right there. Right. Well, let's let's chat cricket whilst Finney eats his uh, Deliveroo. the The only story that really matters actually, this week. And I'm not talking about the 100 and I'm not talking about the Test match coming up later this week, although we will cover those. There's only actually one story in the world of cricket that really matters. And that is the end of an era and the end of Darren Stevens at Kent, which is tragic, tragic news. Um, He has announced that he is going to be leaving Kent at the end of the season. However, he says he wants to continue playing. He says, I don't feel like I'm ready to give up. I love the game so much. I have that much passion for it. That is why I'm still playing now. I still feel like I can do a job with the bat and ball. Um, I feel a little bit sorry for him because all the Kent bowlers have had the roughest season ever. Their bowling statistics are are, are shocking. Um, So it's not just him that's struggling with the ball for Kent this season. But I guess it's very hard to justify your budget of renewing a 46-year-old man's contract who's not had the best season in the world. Um, But, I mean, it's the end of the era. Is there any point in us continuing this podcast, watching Mm. cricket ever again? If Darren Stevens goes, then cricket goes. Doesn't it, Finney?
0: Yeah, it's a sad day, sad moment in time for for him to be having to say goodbye to Kent. But it, it seems determined to... Play on and good on him if he does. I, I can't imagine that I would be doing the same at 46 years of age. I think Dan is 46, isn't he? And he looks like that. Imagine trying to play cricket at the same time. Yeah, it, it's something that that I can't imagine doing, but he seems motivated, so good on him.
1: That's a good point. Are you the same age as Darren Stevens, and have we not discussed that before?
2: Well, because I'm not. I'm 53. Right, OK.
1: <laughs> Got you. <laughs>
2: This is, uh, this is uh, it's, it's a beautiful compliment that Finney's given me um, and and one that I will cherish. And I might even stick on my soon-to-be-made gravestone, the way I've been feeling during this season. <laughs> I, 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 it's obviously, we are all deeply moved and saddened by uh, Darren Stevens' situation. But a couple of things to remember. Kent threatened this about a few years ago, didn't they? And then he, and he scored like 200 and 150 balls. They went, oh, uh, maybe not. Uh, there's only three games left for him to pull that kind of trick and he did get injured didn't he uh, relatively recently so I'm not sure if he can get that get out of jail card free Um, but look I mean Leicestershire might take him back Um, Sussex they've had an unusual recruitment policy I mean they signed up Finney so there's absolutely no reason why I mean, they need a a bit of experience in there because they've got quite a lot of youth Um, he'll go looking for, for somewhere else and we keep on talking about this proliferation of leagues. Maybe he'll be the star turn in the United Arab Emirates or the CSAT Twenty. I mean, they're everywhere now. I don't. Well, think they're running necessary. out of players to pick up. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because because there are so many of them happening all at the same time. So
0: exactly.
2: who knows? He could he could yet crop up again. I've I've not given up hope. What I have done is I've bought an absolutely rocking t-shirt from Wisdom, which will arrive this week, which I should be wearing on the podcast next week. And it's a tribute to Darren Stevens. I urge you to go to the Wisdom shop, take a look. It's an absolute beauty and it will be my my cherished love and joy. But just quickly on his career, though, hadn't he taken, Finney, something like seven wickets by the age of 34 or five? And then he was converted into an all-rounder and has taken about 500 wickets since at an average of 22? I mean, that's preposterous. I
0: saw in his um, statement, he said, thank you to Kesey for convincing me to take the new ball when he was, <laughs> he was 34 or whatever he say so, um, Yeah, he prolonged his career by 12 years, fair play.
1: Yeah, I remember I played a, a Taverners game, I think, with him years ago and he was a proper batsman. He didn't bowl at all at that point. And then uh, I was I was so young, I remember watching, I think he chundled in and bowled a few overs in the Lord Taverners game and I thought, oh, he's pretty good, but all the pros can bowl. And then sure enough, 591 wickets later at 24... Here he is, 31 fifers. Um, But the mad thing is that he's also got 16,000 runs at 35 as well. I mean, it's been a ridiculous career. Wherever he goes from here, he retires as a legend. And in this podcast opinion, at least, the legend of the game of cricket. Um, But I don't think we've heard the end of Darren Stevens just yet. I think there's uh, there's plenty of options out there for Steve-O. Whatever he does next, we wish him well. Um, We should move on, I guess, to the to the upcoming Test match. But it's just really hard to care about anything now that Isn't that is it? yeah. filtered through the world of cricket. It's hard to get emotional or inspired, really. Um, Not just in cricket, but in life. But we'll give it a go. So, yes, Test cricket returns. Finally this week, England versus South Africa. Um, You know, with the 100 happening recently and the T20 blast happening recently and England getting beaten quite comfortably in a few white ball games. It's nice to have the red ball back, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's a, gonna be a fascinating first test because so if you didn't see the England Lions absolutely spanked South Africa in the warm-up game. And this is a South Africa that's been steadily improving over the last 12, 18 months or so. Um but the England Lions absolutely spanked them and they did it playing baseball as well. Um they they got 672 in their innings before bowling South Africa out twice for 433 and 183 and winning by an innings in 56 runs. Um, not only that, they scored at a good click as well. And it's going to be a fascinating first test now because South Africa looked very undercooked going into it. Um, Bilbo, I noticed, friend of the podcast, Sam Billings, had a little bit of a pop at the South African side as well. That's not very Bilbo-esque, Finny. What's going into him? Normally, he's Mister Smiley.
0: Yeah, he must be particularly grumpy at the moment. He's usually a very happy man, but he has been known when he doesn't have enough sugar in his system or um, he's not well-fed enough. He uh, he can be a bit tetchy and a bit grumpy. So they must have caught him at just the wrong time.
2: Well, there's, the background to that is key, isn't it? Because Dean Elgar, who's quite a gruff, abrasive kind of character had been asked by English journalists, and obviously, you know, when you go overseas, you're always trying to get on the front foot against the local journos. England do it when they go to Australia. And uh, and he'd been asked about basball. Incidentally, we need to talk about that later. What We've got to get rid of that word. He asked about it. He said, well, it, it's uh, going to come unstuck. I don't think it's a very clever way to play. Uh, I don't think uh, I need to worry about that. None of us are caring about it. So Billings just snapped back. You know, and said, Well, you just, you've just been beaten by not even England's best team, their second best team, if that. I mean, England had Will Jacks, who is a great, he's going to be a great, great player, but is he, a, is he a line, lined up for a test place? They brought him in at number seven, see if he could do a bit of a bits and pieces job. They went at 5.74 and over. Ben Duckett said something really interesting in that, didn't he? He said he was dropped reverse sweeping. And had he played in a different Lions era, you know, even like a year ago, six months ago, he would have felt, oh, I'm going to get absolutely shat on by the coaches for trying that. But in fact, he said, in this new new regime, I feel backed to play the shots I want to play. And, you know, I got lucky because I got dropped and he went on and got whatever it was, 140 and 130 balls or something utterly stupid. Uh, It was a, a brilliant, brilliant way to kind of ambush the oppo. They can't claim that they had you know, Derbyshire's second 11 playing against them. They had a decent side playing against them. But this is also the problem of international cricket, isn't it? Because you fly in, you get like one bit of prep. England had it in the ashes when they had like one warm up game and it pissed down rain the whole time. And the South Africans didn't have their probably their A string bowlers out, did they? They didn't have Nokia, Rabada, Ngiti. So there'll be a different proposition come Lords. And just on the subject of Lords, I'm looking out my window and I've got to say, that the ECB cop a lot of stick. But their corporate social responsibility is something else because we are in a country that is, well, it's drying out. Fires are burning and raging everywhere. And when the country was just about to get on its knees and just explode like a tinderbox, we arrange a test match so it can piss down with rain. It is is pouring with rain and tooting, and it's going to chuck it down tomorrow.
1: Yes, it is going to chuck it down tomorrow. But after that, the forecast isn't too bad. Uh, it's also great news for, for people like Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad that there's going to be a bit of cloud cover. I don't think they would have fancied playing this test match about six weeks ago when it was 40 degrees, so that will probably play into their hands as well. Um, well, will, the, like, Dean, they,
2: Dean Elgar might have done a Tim Murter and just uh, put him into bat, you never know.
1: <laughs> it might have been so cloudy that we put Darren, finally gave Darren Stevens a, a well-deserved test call-up for this game, but sadly, I don't think that's going to be the case. It's, it's kind of it's just going to be fascinating to see Baz we'll come to that later, but it's going to be fascinating to see Baz against, you know, another lineup now, because we saw it work against New Zealand, and then everyone said, oh, well, it won't work against India, and then it worked against India, so now it's the time with the South African seamers to see if they can do anything different. Dean Elgar seems to think that they won't, and um, it will come unstuck at some point or another, pretty catastrophically, I'm sure, but you'd have to say that batting lineup with Bairstow and Stokes and whoever else, it's going to come off a lot as well. And um, I don't think that that South Africa bowling attack is better than the Indian attack that we saw earlier this summer. So what, do you, what are you expecting from this game? Finney, do you think it's going to be a slightly more measured version of baseball, or is it just going to be more of the same? Um,
0: the, I think the conditions will play a part because when it does cloud over at Lords, it does dart around a little bit, which I think will... Uh, make a difference when it comes to trying to bat in that manner but also I think the the pitches and the balls especially that we've spoken about a number of times on this podcast are more conducive to playing aggressive cricket anyway this summer Uh, that may change next summer they may do something to the balls and and they may stay harder and therefore it'll become harder to play like that but I think for the moment it's working and, and whilst you're playing the cricket that they are and, and you're taking the game to the opposition, I think that that's a good thing. I also think that, you know, we call it basball and we and we say, oh, Brendan McCullum wants people coming in and just slogging. Brendan McCullum's a smart, smart cricket brain. He doesn't want people just slogging. Everything has to be calculated and there has to be reason behind the way or the manner that you're playing in. And that's something I think he will instil in the team. At the moment, it can look reckless at times but certainly from the inside I know that that's not the message that will
2: be uh, that will be sent. You know the, the only batter who actually looks reckless to me is um, Stokes. Yeah. And the, the sort of the suggestion has been that it's because he's been setting the tone and sort of saying well if I play this way then I'm giving license and I think of his innings at Lords in the first test against New Zealand when he came walking down a wicket to Carl Jameson. He thrashed at one at a crucial moment, got bowled, but it was a no ball. Uh, he's the only one, I think, who we've all sort of been scratching our heads and wondering about the style in which he's batting because it has been quite different from the way he has batted lately, which when he when he when uh, he's had sort of three distinct phases when he first came in, he was quite dashing to start with. In the second phase, he actually took quite a bit of time to play himself in and then went through the gears. Here, he's sort of come hard early. But if you look at the way Berstow and Root and Lees and the others have played and Pope, they're just basically the best versions of themselves, I think. And um, so I don't think there is anything particularly reckless about the way they approach it. And I agree with Finney that the ball's make an enormous difference. But I heard from Rory Dollard yesterday that Dukes think that they've got better balls lined up so it's not that you've just got this batch of balls that were all made in February and you have to play with them. Um, I think they've been stung by some quite heavy criticism and some quite justifiable criticism actually from uh, across the county scene and from the test players as well. And uh, the word is that these, these balls are better stitched and that they'll, they'll stay harder for longer. We'll see. And what will be fascinating is if, if England bat first, because You know, the key to understanding baseball is the first innings that England batted at Trent Bridge. New Zealand got 550. And any other England team, and any other team actually in world cricket that I've ever watched, when they've conceded 550, have sort of copped that and gone, right, well, we can't win. Let's make sure we get a draw. Whereas England batted to try and get as close to 550 as quickly as possible to give themselves enough time in the game to win. And sure enough, they scored the 650, whatever it was to win that game in pretty much half the overs that New Zealand had. That was how they approached it. And, you know, that's the key to understanding it. It's that they want to win from any situation they're in. So the way they bat is determined by that. Now, when you bat first, you've got a slightly different situation, haven't you? Because you're setting the game up. So the pace they bat when they bat first, I'll be intrigued by.
1: And the other thing I'll be intrigued by is how often they choose to, to bat second because pretty much in Test cricket, you, you tend to choose to bat first, but they seem to, like a lot of white ball sides now fancy chasing. So if they walk out at Lords in uh, in beautifully overcast conditions tomorrow, I think they'll almost certainly bowl first, even though it's going to be overcast all time. But what would be really interesting is later in the summer, if they walk out on an absolute flat pitch and it's roasting sunshine... Will they go? No, nope, we want to chase. We always want to chase, like ODI sides do. That's the, that's the more questions to that we'll find out about Basball as this uh, as this Test team develops. But um, can I
2: ask, can I ask one question about Basball though? Because we now have, it would appear, almost double figures of listeners. If the fantasy leagues, anything to go by, more of which and none. Um, I want us to come up with a better word than Basball, and I mean I don't do German, but somebody out there must. And you know how like German words kind of compound words of things like, you know, the tank that can go through muddy conditions, but gets clogged up when it's under 30 degrees tank. And it's all one word. I think we need a word that's German. That's something like um, playing cricket in an aggressive way, in an attempt to win, regardless of the situation. Uh, would that be roughly right? And then we get a German version of that, get someone to translate it for us and completely, because Baz hates Baz's ball. So we need to give him a better word. We need to give all of them a better word and if it's a very long compound german word that'd be quite fun at interviews.
1: And it also needs to be a word that because I think Baz Baz I'm see I'm calling him Baz now not Brendan McCollum I'm 40,
2: yeah.
1: I think he gets annoyed at it being basically seen as just slogging and like Finney said he wants it to be seen as something a lot more calculated and measured than that. So Ooh, we need me- so measured,
2: the measured the measured calculating aggression to win a game in any situation, translate that into German, someone. Uh, Give us it as one word, and I think that'd be catchy.
1: Yeah, if anybody's listening, or put, feel free to send us a tweet at Zero Ducks Pod and let us know any suggestions you've got as opposed to Baz Ball, because we understand that McCollum hates it. Um, or slide into our DMs on Instagram at Zero Ducks Pod as well and let us know if you've got any suggestions of, of what to call Baz Ball so that Brendan McCollum gets less upset about it. Uh, by the way, the team, we're very much expecting to be um, Zach Crawley, Lees, Pope, Root, Bairstow, Stokes, Folks, Broad, Leach, Potts, Anderson. It's pretty much as you'd expect. The only question mark, really, he was always going to play this test, is Potts, but he's now got the competition of of Robinson and Craig Overton, who continues to always impress, um, breathing down his neck. And Oi Robinson, obviously, was one of England's best players, probably was England's best player the last year or so before he got injured. Um Finney, how do you find that? The, the old cliche in sports is always that competition for places is healthy and it's good to have competition. But did you sometimes prefer bowling knowing that your space was comfortable in the team and that you didn't have to worry about one shitball when I'm getting dropped?
0: Yes, you do like the competition because it keeps you on your toes, but also you want to be able to relax and just get into your work and not feel the pressure every time you've got the ball in your hand, which I think a lot of the time in my England career, I did feel like that. Uh, And yeah, it depends on your character, I think. My character is a bit more relaxed and and easygoing and probably perform better when people, you know, you don't want to be like lovey-dovey, but people just support you and back you, whereas some guys really like having the bit between their teeth and like being put under pressure and that gets the best out of them. I mean, look at Johnny Best or every time, he's angry with someone, he scores runs. So he creates anger at people and then <laughs> scores runs. So it's, um, it depends what sort of, um, dep- it really depends what sort of character uh, you are. But I've actually just had a notification on my phone at 11.44 in the morning and Matthew Potts is playing ahead of Ollie Robinson and Craig Overton. It's been announced here and all the other usual suspects, uh, as you would imagine.
2: So uh, Robinson, this is an interesting one. You've been obviously, because he plays at Sussex... You've seen him coming back into form and he played really well in that Lions game. Overton, we know, got a little bit of an injury, didn't he? He didn't bowl much in the second innings and probably a precaution, mm-hmm. but they're taking him off. Uh, do, how close do you think Robinson is to being
0: 100%? Yeah. The game he played against Nottinghamshire, he bought a lot of overs. He took nine wickets in the game. Uh, we unfortunately lost, but um, yeah, watching him firsthand, you do realize how skillful he is. Um, I find myself picking his brains about the way that he goes about using the angles on the crease. So yeah, from what I've seen, he, he seems absolutely 100% fit to play a test match. And if he does get the opportunity, I, I've no doubt he'll take wickets because I looked at his record again. You obviously know that he's been an outstanding bowler for uh, a few, not a few years, more than a few years, but a decent length of time now in domestic and international cricket. And he took, took 350 wickets at 21 which is just ridiculous numbers, really, Um, given that he's played a decent amount of test matches now as well, which usually skews people's statistics, but he still averages 20 or 21 in tests. So, yeah, I I am looking forward to seeing him again in an England shirt. And if he does get the opportunity this series, which because they're going to be short, sharp, back-to-back test matches, I would imagine he will. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if he takes more wickets.
1: Now that you've seen a bit of him up close, Because I think that's why it almost... I I was looking at his first-class record the other day as well because I don't have a life. And you're right, 339 wickets at less than 21 is obscene. Um, But it almost now makes me think, why did it take him 76 games to get an England call-up? But I guess it's because when you actually watch him bowl, there's not an obvious reason he's incredible. It's not like he's Jimmy Anderson, he's hooping it around corners. It's not like he's Mitchell Johnson bowling left arm 95 mile an hour at somebody's head. He's just sort of relentless with that length. We've talked about how tall he bowls from as well. But now that you've seen a bit of him bowl, what makes him such a good bowler to prove those stats over such a long time? He's intelligent
0: about the way he moves around the crease. Uh, I think you can become uh, quite ingrained in bowling from the same position on the crease and, and you groove that and you feel comfortable there. But he moves around a lot on the crease to create different angles for batters to deal with. Uh, he's got a lot of people leaving the ball this year and bowling them off stump. Right hand is leaving it because of his angle back in towards the stumps. But you're always worried about that. And then he gets one to leave you and he finds the outside edge. And, and it's that like indecisiveness that he causes or creates in batters' minds that makes him um, a really, really horrible person to have to
2: face. I think we get fixated in England about swing bowling because it's aesthetically pleasing. And it is undeniably beautiful. You see the arc of a ball and if it swings late. And if if it swings late, then it's devilishly difficult to play against. But more and more, we're seeing people being befuddled by the one that jags back in because you've got very little time to adjust. And a really good seamer who's going to hit the seam time and time and time again from a good height... Is really difficult to play, isn't he? Because you've got that much less time to adjust to the movement that the ball's going to make because it's happening off the pitch. And his, his monstrous accuracy. I mean, uh, look, we get fixated by pace as well. And one of the greatest pace bowlers of all time wasn't that quick, Glenn McGrath. But he banged out a length, didn't he? And, he? and the ball would jag one way or jag the other. And it's very, very difficult to play. Um, I'm slightly disappointed that they haven't just Brought him straight back in, but I suppose Potts is the man in possession. I'm also really disappointed that they announced the team the day before. I mean, you could tell the players, but don't don't bother telling the South Africans until the very last minute. It's, it's way more fun that way. I've never understood it. I don't get it.
1: It's weird, isn't it? It's, and rugby does it as well, announce it the day before. In football, you'd never dream of announcing your team just before just before the opposite. Oh, great. We'll work out which formation they're playing, which strikers we've got to worry about um why do they do that finney is that for i don't know presence so that the cricketers can go and have a nice clear mind about what their role is the next day or what is it
0: yeah i think it's clarity i know andy flower hated letting the opposition know what the team was the day before he left it right until the toss i mean there were times he didn't even let you know the team until the toss (laughs) you just had to deal with it remember i can't remember if i've told this story before but I got a big telling off from Flower. I got dropped from the second Ashes test in the 2013 series. And when you're going out to warm up, obviously, if you're playing, you'll wear spikes. And I decided I'd been dropped. I was, I was a bit grumpy because I'd been dropped. I hadn't bowled that well in the first test. Uh, and I went to walk out to warm up in trainers. And I got out there and I was wearing trainers. And obviously, if the opposition look and you're the player that played the last test, and you're wearing trainers for the warm-up and not your bowling boots, it's obvious that you're not playing in the game. So he, he gave me a big mouthful um, of stick, and he told me in, um, in maybe not as kind language, go and put your bowling boots on, you tall man. Um, and that was,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: be along those lines. Uh, and I had to dash back into the dressing room, and put my bowling boots on so that I didn't give too
1: much away to the Australians. I bet you, I've Andy Flower, I reckon he'd be terrifying if he was telling me off. I think I'd cry. But the problem is he, his
0: fingers are so like wonky. He'd point <laughs> at you and you wouldn't know who he's pointing at. He could be pointing <laughs> at one of, he could be pointing at one of six different people because his fingers <laughs> are like that. Um,
2: ah, it's like the Foggy Town sketch where he's looking at you but talking to him. Yeah, I'm,
1: yeah, I'm sure. picturing the guy from, like, Scary Movie 2 who's got the weird hand, basically, yeah. <laughs> that's that's amazing, that's amazing. You Why have you not got your spikes on? I do. No, I'm talking to Finney. All oh, right, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry,
2: Gap. <laughs> There's a couple of th- couple of things that come out of that story. Firstly is that Finney said earlier that he was sort of manning, like, an arm around his shoulder, which is what I tried to do, if you remember, in an episode about a year and a month ago, but, you know, none of you were having it. So we've reverted to just being unpleasant to each other instead. Mm. And, uh, and, and secondly, bowling boots, right? Now, Tim R. Mills was on commentary with us the other day, and he was bemoaning the fact that boot manufacturers have stopped making bowling boots. And he knows a couple of bowlers who bought up, he claims, all the bowling boots at the beginning of the season before they stopped making bowling boots. And he's kind of blamed that on... He had, he had the most extraordinary injury. Finney, you'll have seen his toe. He um he was talking about it on air a bit, and it's amazing. It, it, he got a cut across the kind of knuckle of his big toe on his front foot, which he sort of I think not unreasonably might be putting down to the lack of bowling boots. Is is this is this a real thing? Yeah. Oh my god. Yes, I saw that photo. Yeah. Oh my god. To see. Oh. It's like a kind of smiling dolphin isn't it? like
1: it looks like uh like you know when like a baby creature is born and it's like completely hairless and blind. That's the only way I can describe the photo that Finny has just so shown us of of Mills's toe. With a big like, grin. It really is disgusting. It really is quite yeah, quite It's broken. um
0: it's not pleasant. He, he does take great pleasure in um in bringing it bringing his uh bringing his toe out in the dressing room and just yeah, waving it around. I mean, it's gone through a number of different phases this year. It looked like Frankenstein's toe at one stage because it um, it had like big stitches, big cross stitches across it that was like a makeshift thing to try and make it right for one game. But that split as soon as he bowled one ball. Um, yeah, I, I feel for him because toes, they're such innocuous things. I've had toe problems before, nothing like that. But I've had toe problems before where it absolutely kills. But then... Someone says, "What's wrong with you?" And you say, "I've got a sore toe." Everyone's a bit like, "You're taking the piss, aren't you?" <laughs> um, so, so basically, yeah. you get a,
2: you get a toe grass report every morning from Tim R. Mills. Do
0: you? Uh, every now and again, when we catch up, yes, um, yeah, I, we just get a little toe grass report, um, and he sends
2: it through. Uh, but you- the boots. But tell me about the boots. I mean, is he is he right, or is it just that he's got the wrong boot manufacturer? Are the are bowling boots not being made in the same quantities as they were?
0: No, bowling boots, the the ones that people have used typically over the last 10 years have all been discontinued now. Um, So there are only a select number of bowling boots out there. Uh, I think they've realised that not that many people who would buy the boots actually want big, heavy bowling boots. Um, People want one that you can use for both batting and bowling. So they've stopped making the big bowling ones because they're obviously not very... um, financially viable for them as a company um, which is a problem for professional cricketers because we're all big fellas and we all put a decent amount of force through our feet and our front leg Um, but they're just not being made so you find people going around bulk buying as many as they can from eBay any sort of website that you can find that does the boots you'll be trying to hoover up as many as you can I know Chris Wokes I think just cleaned out one company of all their bowling boots in his size so that he didn't run out for as long as he can make them last. And unfortunately, because I've got strange size feet, 12 and a half, I couldn't find any of the ones that I like these new balance ones that have been discontinued. Um, I haven't been able to find them anywhere. So if anyone's got the the CK forty forty the bright green ones that are big bowling boots in size 12 and a half. Whether they've been worn or not, I will take them off your hands.
1: Oh, that's a great campaign. Let's see if, if we can find a pair of 12 and a half versions of those boots at some point this week. Again, at Zero Pod on Twitter and Instagram, if you've got a pair lying around. Finney will do disgusting things for a pair of those boots.
2: I, I'm, I'm genuinely startled at this, right? You know, these, these guys do the, the really hard work in cricket. I mean, you can you can play, you can bat in just any old bloody boot with some spikes on, as long as it's comfy, can't you? It's just you know dancing shoes, really. But the person coming in and bowling at them at ninety miles an hour, who's slamming all that weight through their front leg, how can they not have the right boots? I mean, how how has it come to this? Is, is it the same for Jasper Bumra and Josh Hazelwood and all that lot? I mean. There are the overseas lot coming in with these perfect, bloody, magnificent bowling boots made in some academy of science. And our lads are wandering in in ballet shoes and ripping their toes to shreds. This is insane. No
1: wonder whenever we go to the Ashes, they're all bowling miles an hour, we're bowling seventy-nine. It's probably just the they're boots.
2: They're tiptoeing in. You know, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Poor bastards. We've been sending England bowlers down there for years in inappropriate footwear. Poor bloody things.
2: Yeah, Douglas uh, Jardine. Douglas Jardine specifically bought Harold Larwood a pair of really durable bowling boots and England went on to win, win the Ashes and Bodyline 32 33. 80 years ago, we could nail bowling boots literally. Now, why not?
1: Countries going backwards. If ever there was it, that's Game's the, gone. Really a good barometer of the state the country's in is the state of bowling boots. That's how we'll work it out from now on. Um, now, we do need to mention uh, the 100, and uh, I have to admit, it's been thoroughly entertaining. Um, you two commentating on it was a bit of a sore point. So I wherever possible, flick to the, the other coverage and I listen to the commentators on there uh, or I just put you on mute and uh, and just pretend that you're not there entirely. But I have occasionally caught a bit of you two sounding relatively okay. Um, the two real big storylines in this week have been that London Buses, after no hundreds in the hundred, which was a little bit embarrassing when you call a tournament the hundred and then nobody gets one the entire first year. But out of nowhere... Will Smead and Will Jacks, with two unbelievably good innings. and It just feels like these young batsmen coming through now, it feels like they've almost been dragged along by how good the England white ball team has been in recent years. A bit like when that guy broke the 800-metre world record, smashed it, and everybody that finished behind him also broke the previous record. It feels like the development of the England white ball team has dragged this new generation of batsmen through. Finny, are you noticing it? I mean, the likes of Smead and Jackson, these youngsters coming through now, it's unbelievable how good they already are at white ball cricket, considering that it took years for Owen Morgan and the boys to perfect it like they did.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think that that's part of the the, uh, legacy that Owen Morgan and that team from 2015 to 19 is going to leave behind, is the fact that these guys would have been youngsters in their teens, watching them play cricket at that stage and would have been inspired to go and play like that. And I've no doubt that that will be a strong influence on the way or the standard of the hitting um, that guys, the young guys, 19, 20-year-olds coming through are doing. I think that that is really because of the way that that ODI team played in that period. And that's the ultimate legacy that you leave behind is whether you leave the game in a better place. And there's no doubt that that team left the white ball game in a better place and, and left young people more advanced in their endeavors to get better, I think.
2: I mean, we're in a situation here, Toby, where you could make a strong case that England would be England's T20 side might be stronger with Harry Brooke, Will Smead, and Will Jackson. It, I mean, that's insane, isn't it? Because I mean, their combined age is about 65, <laughs> it's utterly ridiculous. I watched both of those, I was lucky enough to see them both. Uh, commentating with Finney on the Smead one, and then at the Oval the other day, and you know one of the things that was really right plain in front of your eyes in the Jacks one was poor old Jason Roy at the other end. He can't, he can't be, you know, the, the, gone from the game already. Surely he's just going through a bad trot, isn't he? But he's playing in the same side as Will Jacks against the same bowlers on the same pitches. He's getting some horrendously good balls. He got a ripper from Garton the other day that most people would have struggled with. But nonetheless, you're looking at, at that opening pairing and eyes are on Will Jackson, not on Jason Roy, because the shots that he plays, one of them was outrageous. He played this pickup pull. No, no follow-through, just pure timing, and he hit it out of the oval, onto the balcony of flats, beyond, on the, uh, on the cricketer's pub side. That is a massive, massive hit. He decided he was going to go to his 100 with a six. He, he talked about it afterwards and said, I was here to entertain the crowd. I had to go, had to try and get it with a six. I mean, how nuts is that? He's never got a 100. I don't think he's got a 100 in in T20 cricket, I don't think. Um, not professional, not in the blast. And so he's on 96 and he's going, yeah, sod this for a game of soldiers. The ball's got to go into the crowd. That's my job. I mean, that is a really fabulous way to think about it, isn't it? And it is uh, whatever we've decided Baz Ball is.
1: Well, no. I mean, it, it's it's the epitome of baseball or whatever our listeners suggest we call it instead. But it will be interesting because England play a lot of white ball cricket once this test series is over, getting ready for obviously the World Cup in Australia in a few months' time. And Livingston sort of really arrived on the scene with the 100 last year, was where he properly became a, not a household name, but a cricket household name. And the likes of Smeed and Jackson, a few others, they, they could find themselves on a, the plane to some of those games and the whiteboard team is is that was a pretty much a closed shop for the last three or four or five years. But there's a little opening in the door at the moment if you can continue to score runs. So it is going to be interesting to watch these young guys in the in the 100 try and put their hand up for the World Cup in a few months. Um, speaking of those two records, Finney, you were very closely watching one game in particular in the 100 over the last week or so, because you also have a record of your own in the 100. And that is the most expensive over ever. No, well, uh, not over
0: bowling. Well, yes, over, but that's by the by. Bowling figures, I think, fifty-one. Fifty-one. Um, and, and,
1: yeah,
0: and, and, I didn't and, even bowl all twenty balls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Lewis Gregory, how close did he get the other day?
0: He went for forty-four off sixteen. Oh, um, so yeah, it. he was he was nearly there. He nearly got there. Oh, he went for I was
2: did he go for 26 in a set or 24? Is it three sixes and two fours or two sixes and three fours? Because there was. I think there was that the last well. ball
0: went for two, wasn't it? That's where Moeen played the oh. vertical drive and David um, ducked.
2: Um, oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. David ducked the, uh, the catch.
2: Yeah, that was so, a bit uh, unfortunate. That was hilarious,
1: by the way. Yeah. Um, okay, well, not yet, but if, um, if there's any bowlers uh, in the 100 that fancy doing Finney the favour, of no longer being the guy with the worst figures in the 100 history, then... That well, it's going to be...
0: happen at some stage. Someone's going to get fucking panned all over the place. Like, <laughs> it, it will happen. <laughs> and uh, do you know what? It's, the sad thing at the moment is that like, every game I go on, I'm like, oh, there's a high score. Someone must have gone around the park. And then <laughs> no captain's bowled them enough to go for more than 51. I'm like, come on, do me a favour.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's... What you need perfectly is... Because that's the problem. Nobody's going to bowl them 20 balls. So what you need mm. is... 15 balls that aren't great, but enough yeah, for, but them for to 35. Earn. Yeah, a 35. Yeah, 35
0: yeah. or 15, and then then yeah.
1: they get hammered in and over. That's the dream. And you
0: need a you need a team to play a batting dominant because guys are giving themselves bowling options and you've only got a hundred balls, they're playing less batters and more bowlers because the bowl, the batters don't you don't have to bat all the way down because typically your numbers seven, eight aren't facing any deliveries. Um what we need to do is someone to reinvent the wheel and play a batting dominant team and just rely on five bowlers. That's that's my opportunity to lose the mantle of most expensive figures ever. Okay. Oh, fingers
2: crossed. Fingers crossed.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'll be spectacular.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, we need the perfect storm and hopefully it happens this week and we can gloat next week and we can lay into whoever went for 52 off their 20 balls. Um, Well, chaps, that's all we've got time for, but looking forward to a bit of red Bull cricket. Oh, Norcross has put his hand up. Oh, I know what he's going to talk about.
2: It's an ad finally. Oh now, God, go to wedge basting quite a bit, and uh, and you see pictures of Finney. You do, you do. You see, you see. Like there's a very large picture of Finney quite near the hospitality area. But what I didn't know was that there is a gigantic Stephen Finn emblazoned on the back of the women's loose door. Thanks to Emma Vernon, one of our listeners, um, she is uh, she has pointed this out and. I don't know is it inspirational ladies tell us is it is it inspirational to go into a lavatory and find a, um, a, a celebrating Stephen Finn I feel your like door? it should
0: be I feel like it should be on the other way on the other side of the door it says they leave the toilets I'm celebrating with them
1: <laughs> you, <did it>. <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy that's gone viral recently Troy Hawk who does the the Greeter's Guild Finney's the opposite. Finney just says goodbye to people as they leave toilets, basically. Yeah, I did. Yeah. We posted the photo on Twitter at Zero Ducks Pod, but it is hilarious that most cricketers, after an illustrious career, get an entire stand named after them, maybe even a road. But Finney's got a photo of him on the back of a woman's toilet. <laughs> Start small, Finney. Start small. And um, I've got
2: one last piece of housekeeping before we go. I'll be very brief, but can I just ask both of you, to be a little bit better at fantasy football. because That's I did I realize
1: you were going to bring up.
2: I, 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 I didn't realise that I had to keep on scrolling to find you two. So I was looking there, I was going, where the hell are they? I mean, bear in mind that I've never played this game before. And all I did was try and find, try and get his 100 million, isn't it? Try and make a squad up of 100 million, but make sure I've got Jesus in my team. I don't know anything about Jesus, but he strikes me as being a, a decent miracle worker. I went Holland because... Holland scores goals that stop Liverpool from winning titles, so I thought that would annoy uh, Toby. Right. And um, and then I went in to have a look at the um, at the standings, I couldn't find either of you anywhere. I had a word with Sal. I said, are they not playing? Have they been relegated? What's going on? He says, now you have to keep on scrolling. Lads, up your game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am a little bit distraught that I take fantasy football very seriously, and I'm losing to Daniel fucking Norcross after two weeks. But look... As Liverpool have proven, after drawing the first two league games of the season, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Daniel, let's see where you're in, where you are in May or whenever the
2: hell this season. I ended. have to wait till May to gloat. Can I? get yes, yes, I have, have to wait, have, wait till May to gloat. Yes,
1: uh, chaps, yeah. lovely to see you both, and uh, I'll see you next week, hopefully celebrating another fine England Basball asterisk victory. See you both,
2: Cheers, sellers. Bye. Podcast Network.